0: Welcome to RotCast. I'm your host, Rotwang. We'll be reviewing two wines, both have a bit of a legend attached to them. And speaking of legends, we'll be talking about the last of Edgar Allan Poe. We've mentioned Poe before, or more correctly, the ghost of Frank Zappa mentioned Poe in episode number 8. Let's enter Edgar Allan Poe in our pantheon of genius losers right now. This show will also be different because we'll be recording on location. Welcome to Prince Prospero's Castellated Abbey. We'll be spending the night here tonight, and we have agreed to be locked in for our own safety. Are you worried, number 11?
1: Not at all. I'm ready for the party. We haven't had a real Halloween Oktoberfest party in ages. Party! Party!
0: That's right, Number 11, and just to make sure we don't get bored, the prince has arranged a little scavenger hunt. Oh? Yes, it says here on my map that there will be eight small photographs of Poe in seven rooms of this abbey.
1: And we have to find them all? Yay!
0: So let's get started.
1: Why don't you set the recorder to voice activated?
0: Good idea, Number 11. 11. Much in here.
1: And here is the Kmart special, the blue room.
0: We've just entered the blue room. The room has five walls instead of four. In the center of the fifth wall is a fancy window shaped in a quatrefoil. The light that fills the room is emanating from the window. It's casting everything in a blue light. There's not much in here, however. There's a chair.
1: It's facing that wall.
0: I see a picture on the wall.
1: That picture is hung
0: pretty low. Maybe the photo's under the chair cushion. Get up.
1: Look at that framed picture on the wall. It's right at eye level. If you're sitting here in the only chair.
0: Do you think it's a clue? The picture's a seascape, so it's mostly blue-green in color.
1: Check the chair. I want a closer look at that picture. There's a little plate on the picture. It says Annabelle Lee. Found it! There's a photo behind this picture. It doesn't look like Poe, though.
0: That's called the McKee Daguerreotype. It's the first image ever made of Poe. The McKee photograph was taken in 1842. He's 33 years old. And it's unusual because he doesn't wear his familiar mustache. His hair is very short and it rises at the top of his head almost like a mohawk. He also has side whiskers that vanish into his collar and under his chin. His eyes look nearly crossed. He may be looking down at the foot of the camera. He may hold one hand inside his coat like he was reaching for his wallet. With those unfocused eyes and the flare in his nostrils, he looks almost simian.
1: Yeah, and he sort of looks like a monkey.
0: Everyone knows that Poe is a great American writer. But you should know that he had a real hard time making a living. When Poe had his first photo taken, he was a working stiff. He was an editor at a fashion magazine in Philadelphia. He was quite good at it. He was making a name for himself. He even met Charles Dickens when the English author toured America. He won a $100 prize for his story The Gold Bug. That was probably Poe's biggest payday ever. He greatly increased the circulation of the magazine he edited. But he wasn't appreciated or satisfied. He wanted to start his own magazine, but he couldn't raise the money. In any case, he quit the magazine to try his luck in New York. Recently, I found a website for the Poe Society of Baltimore. On the site is an article by Michael Dees, who has researched and documented all the photos made of Poe from the invention of the daguerreotype when Poe was 33 years old until Poe's death in 1848. There seems to be eight Poe daguerreotypes in total. These turned out to be the artist who beat me to the punch and created the new post stamp. Rooms are remarkably similar, save for the color. This one has a candelabra and a divan. There's a small table, and then there's that chair again. There's the same window, only the color coming into this room is all purple. You look good in purple.
1: I only wanted to see you laughing in the purple rain. All you have to do is find the thing in one room that's not in the next. And that's where the Poe will be. Found it! Where? Inside the spinet, the little piano. There's blood on the keys.
0: What we have here is the Daily.
1: The Daily what?
0: Many of these photographs are named after the people who owned them, and that was owned by Augustine Daly, a prominent New York playwright. This photograph was taken between 1844 and 1847. Poe would have been 35 years old to 38. An 18-year-old girl, Mary Bronson, had the author pose for the photograph.
1: So, was he dating that 18-year-old girl?
0: No, he was married to his cousin Virginia. She was half his age when they were married. She was 14. While he worked in New York, the ladies on the literary scene, people called them Blue Stockings, were really enamored of Poe. They called him the Raven after his famous poem. They would write racy poems about loving him, and he published some of these poems in the magazine he was managing. It became a big scandal. It's a terrific picture. You get to see much more of Poe's physique. He's very thin, he has a longish neck, and this is accentuated by a cravat wound around his neck. He has very little shoulder development. The cut of his suit and the posture suggest he's puffing out his chest. He sits in a chair dressed in a shiny black suit. He has a little wax mustache along with mutton chops framing his face. The right side of his mustache is raised just a little, as if he were taking a hard sniff through only one nostril. This crease makes it look like he's smiling, but really his mouth is just a horizontal line. All of these images were taken before the convention started of smiling when your picture was taken. His left hand rests on a table covered in a floral pattern. His right arm rests jauntily on the back of a chair. His eyebrows raise a bit over the bridge of his nose, giving him a look of amusement, worry, or mild surprise. His hair is also very shiny.
1: He's a Dapper Dan man.
0: Definitely some product in his hair. Oil or grease.
1: He looks like he's wearing a little wax mustache. What is that bulge in Poe's coat? Where? Right under his armpit. It looks like he has a shoe stuffed in there.
0: I, I don't know what those those shapes are on his body. The one The one that would be near his hip is very bulky and square. Almost like he's got a Bible in his pants.
2: I think he had a flask in his pants. Either that or a case with syringes for cocaine or morphine or something.
0: Well, M24, what do you know?
2: Hi, Rotwang, number 11. Did you just get here?
0: We arrived only a half hour ago. We've been uh, on a scavenger hunt. What have you been doing here?
2: We are down in the green room. That's where the wine is.
0: I, I actually wanted you to talk a little bit about daguerreotypes because I think you might know something about those. And I am going to structure my entire podcast on the fact that there are only eight daguerreotypes of groundpo. Poe.
2: I know something about daguerreotypes. I know it's it's taking a negative image. On glass and putting it and presenting it on top of a black material, and because it was on black, it would read like a positive. And Louis Daguerre went slowly mad because these guys would use mercury vapor. I can't remember if it was a developer or like a fixing agent. The latent image was made visible or developed by placing the exposed plate over a slightly heated cup of mercury.
0: I wonder if his madness took a particular uh, form of behavior. The exposures for these things uh, were very long, correct? Yes. And so people had to be clamped, basically, into place so they didn't move?
2: They sat in chairs with little brackets that would hold their, like, sit in the back of their head, and hold their head still. Because they were a couple minutes, I think.
0: But, okay. Anyway, from your expertise, you've never heard of them dressing the people over the clamps, right? It's usually just behind them, right?
2: The chairs that I've seen are always a lot like little things that you would put dolls in to stand them up and display them. Mm -hmm. Like that. Put it right around the base of your head.
0: One of the most interesting pictures of Poe, there is obviously something happening under his clothes. Weird bulges.
2: It doesn't even look like he's braced in this because he's sitting at sort of a funny angle. He looks too relaxed for it to be long exposure.
0: Too bad there's no way of finding out what's making those shapes.
1: Why don't you email that guy? You know, the guy who put the photos up on the Post Society of Baltimore website? The guy who painted the new post
0: stamp? Michael Dees? That's a good idea. I hope the Abbey has internet. Mr. Dees, I'm a big fan of yours with a question about the photo of Edgar Allan Poe called The Daily.
1: Wow, that was fast!
0: I've re examined my print of the Daily
1: daguerreotype, which incidentally appears to be unretouched. My impression is that Poe is wearing a knee length frock coat, and some of the fabric is draped over his knee. The coat doesn't seem to fit him very well. But I'm supposing the bulges you're referring to are those around the pocket area. I think they are simply that, bulges. Their coat seems to have been very tight-fitting around the waist. That was the style of the day. And Poe was extremely slender. And so the bulges at the pocket are simply a bunching up of the fabric. But no, I do not believe Poe was wearing another garment wrapped around him. Hope this is some help to you. With kind regards, Michael. That was no help at all. Before we hit the green room, I thought I'd share this. Rat Wang and I gave a Halloween party once. It was a big success. It was so Poe. We showed the grave of Annabelle Lee in a butcher paper mural. Rat Wang is an artist, but the centerpiece was a three-dimensional tableau. Our hall closet became the niche where Montresor was chained and walled up alive. You might remember this from the potel, The Cast of Amontillado. It was quite elaborate. I used plaster wrap to create a head and pair of hands and chain them up behind a false wall. The victim looked amazingly like Rotwang since he was my model. I had a good time with that. We crafted a game of bowling skittles where the swinging pendulum was thrown against 10 pins painted as skull-faced inquisitors. Rotwang was dressed in a costume that was an interpretation of a raven. I was a vampire with bad accessories. The food was ribs and wings, and we called it Highway Carnage. We had a graveyard cake, and I believe Poe's uh, gravestone was in there, too. The bathroom had towels from the Bates Motel, and it was just a terrific party. Now let's find the party in the next room. Tini, won't you?
0: Welcome to the green room. Hey, look, it's number nine. Looks like she's found the prince's wine cellar.
3: Hi, guys. What
1: you drinking?
0: Wine, of course.
1: You know my feelings about wine. If you're not fixing me an appletini, I'll make it myself. Found it. It was behind the bar. A little oval photo of Poe. Let me see that.
0: Oh, oh, I know that image. It's called something after one of Edgar's poems. The Ultimate... The Ultima...
2: The Ultima Thule.
0: Yes, that's the name. Thank you, M24.
1: The Uma Thurman? Is that good?
0: The Ultima Thule daguerreotype was taken in uh, early November 1848. And that was in Providence, Rhode Island. And Poe was 39 years old. This may be the photo of Poe most people think about. It's the most graphic and the most dramatically lit. The shadow cast from his brow line darkens his eyes, making them appear deeper set. His whole noggin looks more skull-like. He doesn't look into the lens. His stare is fixed past the camera lens. It's uh, interesting to wonder what he might be looking at. His expression is very asymmetrical in the photo. One eye droops and gives the impression of tiredness or sadness. The opposite half of his face, viewed separately, looks much younger and holds all the intensity. Poe is known for an almost military bearing, but not in this photo. His arms hang limply.
1: I make a mean apple teeny. Wasn't Poe a big boozer?
0: Well, his adopted family were drinkers, and when he went away to the University of Virginia... The main scholastic activity was getting pissed. But he might have been a person that a little alcohol made drunk very quickly and sick shortly after. He tried to swear off the stuff several times. He joined a temperance group shortly before he died. There are some accounts of him passed out in the street and losing his cool at parties. But we really don't know if he had to have the booze.
1: Speaking of booze, we're all here. You want to do a wine tasting? And now for the juicy truth.
0: Check it out, a black cat bottle. Number nine, why don't you start us out with a little of Poe's The Black Cat.
3: Of my own thoughts, it is folly to speak. Swooning, I staggered to the opposite wall. The corpse, already greatly decayed and clotted with gore, stood erect before the eyes of the spectators. Upon its head, with red extended mouth and solitary eye afire, sat the hideous beast whose craft had seduced me into murder and whose informing voice had consigned me to the hangman. I had walled the monster up within the tomb.
0: Number nine and I also read a legend today about the black cat where this little town that makes riesling the legend is this cat was seen standing over a barrel his back arched guarding it and so everyone thought that must be some barrel of wine there. there's statues of this cat there's a uh, tavern signs with the cat on it and of course there's many wine labels with the black cat
1: tonight you are drinking It's called a Zeller Moselle Schwartz Cat Riesling from 2010. Okay, there is no label, but it is shaped like a black cat. It's pretty cool looking.
0: There's not a lot of color here to talk about. That's good for white wine.
3: I think it looks like it tastes kind of crisp, so it should get a good score for clarity. So the next category is body What do you think, Rottwang?
0: This has the perfect body for a white Riesling. It is light and refreshing. I'd give it a pretty high mark. I would say at least a nine.
2: I can't say that I really like it. But I would like it if it was colder, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it should be colder.
3: I agree. It would taste better colder.
0: I've heard this trick... That people do where they freeze grapes and they use them as ice cubes and then it doesn't uh, dilute the wine. The body for various white varietals is going to be all, all of them will be lighter than the reds but there they will be various distinctions from what's the heaviest white.
3: Rieslings are I think are on the lighter end of whites but then Rieslings have such a wide range, they can tend to be dessert wines which have more viscosity than any other white wine, like a Sauvignon Blanc or something, so I think that this has a good body because it's not very heavy, it's not syrupy or anything like a dessert wine, So. I I would give it a good score on the body.
0: I don't smell anything in this. Do you Do you smell it, something you can recognize?
3: It smells like champagne. Yeah, when I took my first sip, I thought a little bit like flat champagne. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, pear, maybe? Some... Really ripe, mellow fruit is happening with the aroma.
0: I don't know if that adds up to uh, many aroma notes.
3: I think a wine should get higher points for things like aroma and taste the more complex they are. And since we're not getting a variety of scents, mainly just one, if, if that, then it should get a low score. I agree with four. This wine reminds me a little bit of Woodchuck Hard Cider, mainly because of all the apple notes on the palate. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely Woodchuck. Hey, you Woodchucks, quit chucking that
2: wood! (laughs) It's a wine and it tastes like a hard cider, and I wouldn't think that's a good thing.
0: (laughs) Okay, I was gonna compare it to another wine we had in the past and it was a ice wine from Germany and I had high hopes for it because they like to charge a lot for those and it, they're usually not much in the bottle they're, there's narrower bottles and anyway so we poured it out and it's like apple cider it was much heavier than this though it had, had more sugar in it I prefer this but for taste notes I don't think that's all that special
3: but this definitely isn't as sweet as ice wine. It's not sweet. I think it's more semi-sweet or dry. I think it tastes okay, but it doesn't really taste that much like a Riesling. And that's what our standard is as we're scoring. So I don't think it should get very high points. Number nine says another
2: four. If I was gonna score it for something I liked, I would give it a four.
0: Well, it's in a novelty bottle, and I don't think it's a super wine. I mean, people would probably buy this for the bottle, but I don't know what a Riesling tastes like. I've had that one other before. It was much sweeter, and I prefer this than to that. So I will bring my score down to a five, and I'll be overruled by two fours.
3: Since, since we could only really identify apple as the predominant flavor, let's go with a, a three? Three. Three sounds about right. Okay, all right. This is the most um, bipolar score sheet we've ever had.
0: <laughs> it's not too acidy, but, I, you know, it's tart. If it was colder, I think the balance would be better.
3: Well, we we poured this thing pretty much immediately after we opened it and it was fine. We didn't we weren't taken aback at the first sip. So, that's a good sign. I'd give it a 6.
0: M24, we're talking about the acid balance. Number 9 just gave it a 6. I'll say 8.
3: You
2: gave it a 6 because you didn't feel like it was very balanced. You said you like acid to me it's very sugary it's very sweet so I think the sweet sort of cuts down on the acid does that make sense Mm -hmm. so seven
3: this has a very low alcohol content just 10% we should give it a good score then for a 10 if you want to have a few glasses and not be drunk then 10% is fine let's give it a Nine. Not a perfect score because it could be a little bit higher. I'll agree with that. Although the bottle is going on eBay for 30 bucks. <laughs> what?
0: They're insane to buy this at one store for $10 and sell the bottle for more.
2: They're not crazy. It's the people who are buying
3: the bottles who are crazy.
0: It's got to get 9 or 10.
3: Perfect 10. Now we need number 11 to do our math for us. And the final
1: score for Black Cat Riesling is 65. Let's move on to the next room. Not your color, darling.
0: Orange is no one's color. Let's see. If I were a photo of Edgar Allan Poe, where would I be?
1: All right. Candy.
0: This room is much like the others. There's a single orange table and orange chair. On this table, there's a display case containing many beetles pinned through their thorax to the case bottom. Someone has painted the bugs and the pins golden orange. In front of the case, there's a magnifying glass, also gold. Beside the table is a gold floor stand with candelabra. On the table is an orange bowl filled with candy corn.
1: The pieces are solid orange instead of tri-colored.
0: Hope no beetles got in there.
1: Yeah, I'm not eating that candy without x-raying it first. Found it! One portrait of Poe.
0: This is the Whitman daguerreotype. Like the Ultima Thuli, it was taken in November 1848 in Providence, Rhode Island. Poe is still 39 years old. The Whitman daguerreotype looks like he's about to topple over backwards. His stomach area seems to be inflated with air. He wears his greatcoat over his jacket, which adds to this ballooning effect. The photographer's backdrop looks like it's a hand hide that's rolling up on one edge. The effect of the coat and the backdrop make this photo look very spur of the moment. Poe's hair looks stringy and long, but it does look combed. Poe had an unusual cranium that bulged at the crown. In this photo, his hair is swept back from the temple and accentuates his melon. This Whitman is nearly as comic as the daily photo of Edgar. If I close my eyes I can see the photographer ending the exposure. He places the lens cap on and he tells Poe he can relax. And then I imagine Poe swaying and hiccuping before making it to his unsteady feet and then wandering off to a train station somewhere.
1: Didn't Poe's wife die?
0: She had tuberculosis. They called it consumption, because it acted like something consuming you, like a vampire came and drained you. It's a slow death. It took five years from the time she was diagnosed. Poe and Sissy, he called her Sissy, both knew she was going to die. Medical science didn't have a cure, and they couldn't afford a treatment in any case.
3: You're You're listening listening to to Rodcast, The Sound of V-Nostalgia.
0: Now it's time to reveal last episode's chapter and verse quiz answer. You'll remember that episode was all about cowboys. And the answer is... Rango! Hated it. I've given a lot of thought about why I dislike Rango. You might say that Rango is a movie for kids, so why would an old man enjoy it? But I saw that it borrowed from Spaghetti Westerns and, for some reason, the neo-noir Chinatown. That stuff's not for kids. The initial idea behind Rango is a bunch of desert creatures are cast into a cowboy movie. These creatures mainly comprise the population of a small desert town. Like the townsfolk in many cowboy movies, they're passive and easily led. When hard times come, the entire town stays to ride it out. Of course, real desert animals have adapted to a desert environment, but this particular town is a welfare state. The animals rely on human plumbing. Our hero, voiced by Johnny Depp, is ineffectual and not in a funny way. His personal growth is symbolized as a suicidal trip across the highway to speak with a Clint Eastwood-looking prospector. In the credits, this character is called the Spirit of the West. With a title like that, you might suspect that he would say something profound. If he did, I don't remember
3: it. Is this heaven? If it were, we'd be eating Pop-Tarts with Kim Novak. Yeah, (laughs) no kidding.
0: What are you doing out here? In the end, a type of walking desert cactus saves the animals. The plants move to find the water pipes created by humans, Rango doesn't save anyone. The animals don't save themselves. They survive only because they're able to continue to mooch off humans. The message, of course, to young minds is, nature is at our mercy. Which to an environmentalist might mean one thing, to a developer, another. But this movie has no point to make. Especially when the opinion that man is at nature's mercy is unexplored. Hey number nine, do you own a mammoth fur bikini?
3: Why, yes I do, but it's at the cleaners. I doubt it would fit you though.
0: Let's see, I've got my stone spears, dinosaur repellent, pterodactyl net.
3: Why are you packing all that weird stuff? Oh, I'm getting ready for
0: the monster bash.
3: You mean the one Creepy Classics and Scary Monsters is holding?
0: Is there another one? I'm going to Butler, PA next summer and I'm going to be prepared. Elephant gun?
3: I think you're over-preparing. That isn't till 2012.
0: Time? Time? It's all about time, it's the prehistoric Monster Bash!
3: It isn't until June.
0: Yeah? June 22nd through 24th, but I've never... It's getting closer.
3: Where did that come from? Don't move. It can't see you if you don't move. Are you serious? It's looking right at me. Yeah, trust me. It can't see you if you remain completely motionless. I saw that in a movie.
0: You mean a movie like the ones they show at the International Classic Monster Film Festival and Expo? I can't. I can't. I've got to...
3: I told him not to move. The Monster Bash is June 22nd through 24th in 2012. You should sign up now. It's only $35 for all three days, and that price is only good until January 1st. You can register online at www.creepyclassics.com or call 724-238-4317 I've got my stone spears, my pterodactyl net, elephant gun. What else do I need?
0: Hi, this is Ron Adams. I am the uh, program director, Mastermind, Mad Doctor of Monster Bash: the uh, conference in Pittsburgh, And you're listening to Rodcast: The Sound of Vinostalgia.. The room? Hollywood Modern. Huh? Uh, yeah, I was just saying an all-white room reminds me of those Fred Astaire movies from the 30s. They used to call the decor in those films Hollywood Modern.
1: I guess this is the bridal chamber. Look, a wedding dress
0: in the corner. Maybe we should describe the room a little. I see a silver sensor.
1: There's also a big incense burner. Found it! It was right there pinned to the wedding dress, like a cameo. Let me see. Okay, I'm going to try out that reclining couch. My feet are killing me.
0: What you have there is the Annie portrait. The Annie daguerreotype is technically the best image of Poe available. The lighting is from both sides with very little hidden in shadow. There's a wider gamut of grays, so there's more volume or fullness of shape. The detail is quite remarkable. You can see very clearly into Poe's eyes. In fact, he looks a little taken aback like a deer caught in headlights. There are two highlights within his eyes on either side of his iris, which gives one iris a bit of a vertical shape like a snake eye. Of all the photos of Poe, this is the one where the camera is the closest to its subject. Poe sits with one shoulder slightly higher than the other. This may have been the photographer's idea, but it gives Poe a bit of a on-guard look. His expressions a bit blank, The muscles over his eyelids tend to make his brows draw up towards the space between the brows. A slight crease there also tends to make Poe look worried or frightened. These would be appropriate emotions for this point of his life. There's also a tension in his lip. He should be trying to emote Trust Me in this image made for Annie Richman. He's now 40.
1: Why trust me?
0: He sort of camped out at this rich woman's door. He was desperate for a new wife and Annie Richmond was wealthy and a poetess. He pressured her to agree to marry him by being hyper-romantic.
1: What's that mean?
0: He said he might do himself an injury if she didn't marry him. She finally relented with the proviso that he stopped drinking. He agreed, but it couldn't last even a few days.
1: Let's drink to our union. Did you see that white movie projector and pull-down screen? Why don't you start the projector? You think? Well, it could be the chapter and verse quiz.
0: Well, it is in the middle of the reel. Oh, yeah, it says chapter 14, 4 minutes and 25 seconds. It also says rated R. The chapter is called We Meet Again. Okay, this is uh, the chapter and verse question for episode 19. It was released in 1997. Your hint is... It's not about Edgar Allan Poe, and it's not inspired by Edgar Allan Poe's story. It's just Edgar Allan Poe-flavored, I'd say. I will give extra points to anyone who can answer this secondary question of why this chapter reminds me of Rebel Without a Cause.
1: are in a suburban neighborhood at night. Ranch houses line the street. A muscle car with fat mag wheels enters the frame from the left. It pulls into the driveway.
0: The camera pans slightly to follow the car as it parks.
1: Around the corner of the house walks the driver of the car. It's a young man. He wears a shiny leather coat. We'll call him Pete.
0: There's a cut and we see what the man sees. He sees on the front porch a young woman.
1: We'll call her Sheila. She is small and thin. She too wears black. A black leather coat and a short black skirt. It looks like she has been waiting a while. Her arms are crossed. The porch light and all the lights of the house are on.
0: There are two quick cuts between the face of the man, Pete, and back to the woman, Sheila.
1: Sheila comes off the porch with her arms still crossed. She is walking angry.
0: The next cut is from behind her as she steps closer to Pete.
1: Her shiny black hair and leather jacket obscure Pete and they merge into one shiny dark object. As black as a raven's wing at midnight. She raises her hand and pushes Pete. He backs away. Sheila is swearing at Pete. She accuses him of being with another woman.
0: We are now looking from behind Pete's back. Sheila's face is a mask of anger. Over her shoulder appears a new figure on the porch.
1: Sheila pushes Pete to the ground. You go, girl. He rolls on the lawn and she continues to hit him. A big guy pulls Sheila up off of Pete. The man is Pete's father. He tries to comfort the girl and suggests they go inside the house and talk. Sheila wipes her nose. Pete acts stunned. Pete's eyes swim. The girl looks down at Pete. She says he has changed. She pleads with Pete's father to admit his son has changed.
0: The camera is on the ground looking up at Sheila and Pete's dad. This is Pete's point of view. He's having some vision problems because the two figures blur and nearly meld together before his vision rights itself.
1: Sheila explains that she will not be coming around anymore. She runs across the street. Pete's father helps his son stand. They watch as Sheila runs away. Back to the porch. Pete's mother calls to her son. She tells him he has a phone call.
3: Pete? Pete? It's a man on the phone. He's called a couple of times tonight. Who is it? Won't give his name.
1: She's wearing a denim vest over a low-cut t-shirt and jeans.
3: The
0: camera follows behind Pete's family as they enter the house. Pete is in the lead. His mother closes the screen door before the camera gets into the house. There's a cut and we see Pete bend and pick up the phone as he sits. He puts the receiver to his ear. The camera pushes in slightly.
1: Pete's eyes look up and we see his parents standing together watching. Their expressions are blank.
0: There's a cut to a close-up of an intimidating man on the other end of the phone. We'll call him Mr. Ed. We are about to start a ping pong, back and forth, seeing who's talking on either end of the phone call. It sets up a rhythm that the director uses to strange effect.
1: Mr. Ed asks Pete if he's alright. He repeats the question until it seems threatening.
0: Mr. Ed is in shadows. It's hard to see his eyes.
1: Each time Pete declares he is alright, Mr. Ed tells Pete he's glad to hear it. Pete tries to get off the phone by explaining that the hour is late. Mr. Ed tells Pete casually that he wants to put a friend on the line.
2: You sure you're okay? Everything alright? Yeah.
3: I'm really glad to know you're doing good, Pete.
2: Hey, I want you to talk to a friend of mine.
0: Still in close-up, we see Mr. Ed hand the phone to a very strange-looking man. The camera pivots or pans the short distance between the faces of Mr. Ed and the stranger, one face replacing the other.
1: The stranger brings the telephone receiver close to his head. He speaks slowly and carefully. He says, we've met before, haven't we? A
0: small smile starts on his face. There's a cut back to Pete in his parents' living room.
1: He answers warily, I don't think so. Then he asks, Where is it you think we've met?
0: There's a cut back to the stranger.
1: The stranger frowns and insists, At your house, don't you remember?
0: There's a cut back to Pete's end of the phone conversation. Pete says, No, no I don't.
1: Pete is breathing hard. He seems scared. He looks up and sees his parents again. They haven't moved. Their expressions are frozen.
0: It's odd how they haven't moved. There's a cut back to the stranger.
1: He says, In the East, the Far East, when a person is sentenced to death, they are sent to a place where they cannot escape, never knowing when an executioner will step up behind them and fire a bullet into the back of their head.
0: We see Pete again. He asks, What's going on? Then the stranger makes his goodbyes.
1: His eyes are wide. He says, It's been a pleasure
0: talking to you. Pete hasn't moved. He looks very confused. There's a fast jump cut. Where the stranger was now, the face of Mr. Ed is... He says he just wanted to jump back on the phone and assure Pete he's glad that Pete's doing okay. Then we see Mr. Ed hang up.
1: Pete continues to breathe heavily. He closes his eyes. He exhales once and replaces the phone receiver.
0: He quickly turns back. His eyes shift left. His mouth drops open a bit.
1: He turns back around to see an empty room. His parents are gone. The viewer is left with only questions and assumptions. Where did they go? Why did they leave? When did they leave? Were they showing concern earlier? Were they ever there? Are they his parents or does it matter? Pete wipes his face with his hand.
0: On the soundtrack, airy violins slowly rise in pitch and volume. There's a crossfade that shows Pete riding a city bus. The streetlights reflect into the bus window glass. This is followed by another dissolve of him in the same bus taken from another angle.
1: Do you know this movie? The answer will be revealed in episode 20 of the chapter and verse film quiz. That Sheila, she looked familiar.
0: It says on Prince Prospero's map that there should be another photo of Poe in this room. But you only found the one. Honey?
1: Honey? Flip it over. Found it. There's a picture on the back, too.
0: Hmm, that's weird. It looks almost the same, but it's not. This must be the Stella. This was also taken in June 1849 in Lowell, Massachusetts. The Stella, like the Annie, shows Poe with his left hand tucked into his jacket. His hair is piled in oily loops like a bucket of eels crawling over his scalp. The curls that sweep behind his ears are uncombed but possibly windblown. He stares straight into the camera. This photo was taken only days after the Annie. In comparison, the lighting is more flattering with a discreet amount of shadow. He looks more confident than in the earlier photograph. There's a hint of egotism or power expressed in the angle of his chin. This image of Poe was used in the Beatles album cover, Sergeant Pepper, in that mock group portrait. Poe stands in the back row, left center, between Carl Jung and Fred Astaire.
1: Poe sure got around. Philly, New York, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. Where might he go next? What? been in this room already.
0: The map says it's the Violet Room.
1: It looks exactly like the Purple Room.
0: You're right, there's even a spinet piano, like in the purple room.
1: What? Poe couldn't think of another color? There's a laptop on the piano. Hmm. Wait a minute. Something's different. The room is shrinking.
0: Don't be daft. Oh, shit! Get out.
1: Wait, grab the laptop. Right. Wait, there's a huge pit in the floor. Go around the outside of the room.
0: Right. I've got it.
1: By the way found it! The Poe photo is on the laptop. Let's get out of the shrinking violet room.
0: Let's see. That's the Thompson daguerreotype. This was taken in September 23, 1849 in Richmond, Virginia, only three weeks before Poe died. In this daguerreotype, Poe looks almost calm. In many of the other portraits, it might be forgiven if one suggested that Poe looked a bit worried or frightened but there is not a trace in the Thompson photo of these negative emotions. Poe looks proud, happy, nearly triumphant. Not as jaunty as in the daily, but possibly he's radiating a sense of relief. This is the photo that Michael Dees used as the model for his 2009 US postage stamp. It was a good choice.
1: Poe's going to marry his childhood sweetie. He must have felt good to finally land a new wife.
0: He probably thought things were finally looking up But he had to make that last trip to Baltimore And that's where he's going to die Not too long before this While he was on a train He thought he was being followed There were also times Where he would wander off and get disoriented Ebony
1: Ebony and Ivory Go together in perfect harm
0: Yeah, okay, start looking
1: Did you see that? Something moved over there.
0: Yeah, I see it. It's the Arabian tapestry on the wall. There must be a draft behind it.
1: No, that wasn't it. It was lower to the floor like a rat.
0: Ew. Well, let's describe the room and find that daguerreotype. There's the ebony clock and it's difficult to see in here because the window is pouring in a blood red light.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of my darkroom days. You know, the safety lights
0: so there's an ebony bed to match the clock on either side of the bed are egyptian sarcophagi
1: look up on the sphinx there it's a cat here kitty 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 Ah. i've never seen a cat wink before
0: oh yuck he only has one eye creeps me out
1: Ah. poor thing must have gotten into a fight come here baby he reminds me of my cat michael
0: it says on his collar his name is pluto Oh, I found it.
1: You didn't find it. I saw the cat first, therefore I saw the collar and the
0: photo first. Okay, that means you found every single photo. Does that make you happy? You couldn't give me just this one?
1: Aw, honey, of course. I found every one. I'm way more observant. I'm Sherlock, and you're Watson. Sorry, better luck next time. Thanks for playing.
0: This is the last known portrait taken of Poe. The Trailer Daguerreotype
1: Wow, that looks like it's in bad shape. It's more like trailer trash.
0: The Trailer Like Poe himself in his last hours, the last photo of Poe is found to be in terrible shape. It was taken at the same Virginia photo studio as the Thompson. The camera is farther away. We can even see the author's arm resting in his lap. The light is far too strong on his face till one side of his face and neck nearly merge into the white of his collar. Finally, there are long scratches through the image, especially in Poe's face.
1: Tell me how he died.
0: It isn't clear how he died. There are many theories. The best one, based on facts, is that he might have traded his vote in a local election for booze. But in Baltimore, gangs would take drunks and hold them in what they called a coop, Then they would take the whole coop from one voting place to another and have them vote more than once to fix the election. This might have happened to Poe. He was in town at the right time. Also he was found wearing clothes not his own. The theory goes he might have been rolled or had his clothes changed to help fool the poll people. I like the theory that he was suffering from rabies, but his doctor in the hospital where he died recorded that Poe was offered water, which he drank. I think we should go now.
1: Rotwing, why don't you grow some grapes and protect me from whatever horror is
0: about to befall us? Okay, sure.
1: That's sarcophagus. It's opening.
0: It's me. He has my face. It's a guy in a mask.
1: Remove your mask, sir. Louis
0: Louis de Guerre? Oui, it is I, Louis de Guerre. I murdered Edgar Allan Poe. He said such nice things about photography, but he never liked his portrait. I hear this in France, and an obsession is gone. For years, I breathed the mercury vapor, and I sink... Louis is mad. Louis is mad. He can commit the murder. I would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for you meddling, podcasters.
1: You got away with it. Oh?
0: I think you're safe now. That was over 150 years ago. Pardon?
3: Well, I guess I must be
0: going. Au revoir.
1: Good night, everyone. That's kind of an abrupt finish. I could have sworn you would have killed me with an axe or something. You know, for a spooky Poe finale.
0: Uh, I was thinking about giving us the plague, the red death. That's the story that the colored rooms are taken from. I was thinking that the last thing I do was to notice a red spot on your face. Instead, I think I'll end with this. Can we have the lights down? Thank you. Out. Out are the lights. Out all. And over each quivering form, the curtain of funeral pall comes down with the rush of a storm and the angels all pallid and wan, uprising, unveiling, affirm that the play is the tragedy, man. And its hero The Conqueror Worm
1: Poe wrote a poem about a worm? You're
0: both weird Today's opening and closing music was by Hex Dispenser And the song is I've Got My Doppelganger On The music for The Green Room Party was by Boots Randolph Spooky